0: If you're listening to this right now, it's because you're a fan of best hour of their day and probably me, but not so much Fern. That tends to be the norm. But if you are listening, we just wanna ask you for one favor. Please support us on Patreon. Patreon is where we put some bonus episodes up. It's really the only thing we ask for. We've been doing this podcast for two years now. And we do it because we have a love for fitness, we have a love for helping others, a passion for developing other people and helping them become the best possible coach that they can be. And and we do it because we love it. We don't ask for anything, but we are asking that you support us on Patreon. It's $6 for the price of your fancy frappuccino with hazelnut syrup or whatever it is you get over it. Starbucks you can support the show and as we get more and more supporters on Patreon by the way it's patreon.com forward slash best hour of their day we're going to be adding even more right now it's a free bonus episode where we answer all of your questions but we plan on putting so much more out there exclusive and early content access to things that you know everybody else doesn't get so once again We don't ask for much. So, if you love the show, if we're helping you, chances are, if you listen to this show and you're a coach or a box owner, we've helped you make way more than $6. And not, not only that, we've helped just make your life better, whether we entertain you or whether you've implemented many of the awesome things we talk about here on the show. Check it out. If you don't, you know what? You can keep listening to the show, you can keep tuning in on a regular basis. Yeah, we put three episodes out every week. You don't have to support us on Patreon. We still want you to listen, but if you can, we appreciate it.
1: We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Today's special episode features a guest speaker from our Coaches Development course. To learn more about this class and to sign up for it yourself, follow the link in our show notes.
0: All right, let's uh, give everybody a second to come in. Looks like we have full attendance for Chuck Carswell. Where's Federico? <laughs> see, how yeah, there he is. Take it in my screen. He's right in the center, like the Brady Bunch. Federico, I see you in there, Alice. <laughs> um, Federico, Chuck is probably gonna cry at some point on this call. Just so you know,
2: don't do it. Daddy, he's gonna don't tear do up.
0: Um, we got people from all over the world. Uh, Federico's <laughs> in Italy. Sim, where are you at? You're in India. Florida. India. And India, then you wow. got like t- the New Jersey, you know, a crazy place. So you got the Upper Peninsula with uh, the other Tony. I don't know where he's at. Matt, you're in Brazil, right? Um, Pablo, where are you at? Ecuador. Ecuador. I was watching your uh, yeah. deadlift earlier. Uh, all right. So. Chuck, well, let me give you did a little he PR?
2: Of... Hold on, wait, hold on, go back to the deadlift. Pablo, did you PR?
0: No, 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 he was teaching it. but it was.
2: Oh, got it, okay.
0: He did PR his teaching. So let me give Chuck a brief introduction. It's unnecessary, but uh, the hardest working man in CrossFit would be a good way to get you going. Um, mm-hmm. I think the unique thing about Chuck Carswell is no one – at least to my knowledge, has ever said anything bad about Chuck Carswell, right? You could be a great human being on this planet. Someone will not like you. Someone will come up with something. I live my life by the credo, what would Chuck do? And do I, spo- <laughs> I suppose you, will, you all should do that as well. Hey, Luke, I know you're a, what would Jesus do guy, but I'm <laughs> suggesting you change it. I'm suggesting you go with what would Chuck do, Luke? Don't. Yeah. So, we'll write a new book. We'll get Greg Amundsen to write the new book. So for sure you're close to the ground now. And um, so what do you got about 13 years on seminar staff, Chuck?
2: Who? Uh, my first level one was in 2007 uh, as an attendee. And I went to two more in 2008 uh, and then joined the staff in 2008. So what is that, 12 yeah, was was one there.
0: of your first seminars, the one in CrossFit South Brooklyn, where Coach Glassman showed up and Davis Orio's place?
2: <laughs> was that one where he was, where I was working, you mean? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Was
0: that one of the first ones you worked?
2: Yeah. It was one of the first few that I'd been working. Yeah. And Glassman showed up unannounced and yeah, it, right in my lecture,
0: if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these guys are huge fans of yours for, for many, many reasons. How many of you have had Chuck at your level one or level two? Yeah. Brady, Jan- oh, Janaya. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, quite a few. I can't even see everybody on the screen, but all right. As per usual, put your virtual hand up. Brady, I know you have a question to kick this off. I'm sure. So Brady's our, our guy, Chuck. Brady will always right. have a question. So I'm sure Brady has a question. Where's Brady on here on my screen. There he is up top. Brady, you got a question? I'll let everybody else put their virtual hand up. <laughs> i mean
3: i always i i can come up with a question for chuck so he was at on, your level it. one or level two recently brady level two um just I recently knew, uh my level one was 2019 okay i was the very first level one of the 2019 year so at crossfit atlanta
2: okay was that at uh was that when if i'm not mistaken crossfit atlanta in 2019 had joined with north atlanta would that have been that facility
3: yeah the one that's like right that's right around the corner from top golf
2: correct that's it
3: yep so i was so you you were the flow master there it was you Lindsay, and i can't remember the, the other people i i mean you and Lindsay stuck it obviously. I mean, you stuck out the most because you're come on, the Chuck Carswell. Come on, thank you, um, sir. Um, and Lindsay was just she's she was awesome, but she's so aggressive. And Look, it was, you don't was, have to make
0: excuses <laughs> of why you remember Lindsay. We get it, she's attractive, Brady.
3: <laughs> she's <laughs> aggressive, man. She was awesome. Everybody's awesome. I mean, you guys, she is know. aggressive
0: too, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's, what's your question, Brady?
3: Um, so. First, Chuck, I just want to say thanks for who you are in the in the CrossFit community. Uh, I think anybody that's taken a seminar with you, uh, I think when they leave the seminar, you benefit everybody's life uh, just from talking to them. Uh, in with whether it's level one or level two, at some point. Uh, so, thank you for that. But what is your what's the one um, I guess cr- critique that you, that uh, that like what's the hardest critique that that you've made or that somebody that somebody's given you leaving a seminar?
2: that i've made or that someone's given me or
3: sorry that's not that somebody has given you so you left and whether it was nicole carroll or greg were like hey chuck this is like <laughs> this is the one and the, the one that <laughs> sticks out in your head the most
2: yeah.
4: yeah
3: so
2: um i worked at level one uh probably in 2010 or 11 in uh, Virginia, I believe at CrossFit Trident. Um, and uh, Nicole Carroll walked in uh, very much like Co- Coach Glassman used to do regularly and literally pulled out the trainer manual and flipped to the lecture I was given and grabbed herself a notebook and wrote me a page and a half worth of feedback. And most of it was was on areas that I could improve. Um, she was impressed that I stuck pretty close to the manual, but not impressed that uh, that I didn't take some leeway Uh, In some of the questions, she thought I was a little too straightforward and probably should have gone a little um, more of Chuck experience as opposed to directly from the manual for a couple questions. Yeah, but it was she Nicole was known for that, though. She would literally sit in the back of the classroom and sometimes nod her head uh, positive and sometimes shake her head and just continue to write. And so you just never knew until she gave you the feedback. And often that would come, you know, 45 minutes to an hour afterwards. But that was probably biggest challenge that hey yeah you did a good job with what's on on the script but what you should have done is is turned a little bit and and taken some liberties so
0: yeah so question man so so chuck let me follow up on brady's question for these guys that are newer to coaching you know we do a lot of drills of teaching and seeing and correcting how would you Mm -hmm. advise them to find their voice as a coach you know so you leave that okay this week, for example, or last week, I'll say we did sumo deadlift, 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 shrug, deadlift, shrug at speed. How do I add? This is me, like this is Jersey Tony, or this is Sim in India. So it's not just like I'm regurgitating the, the progressions and in my information.
2: Yeah, let me let me be clear though. I think the first place to begin to gain liberties that you can sort of expound and create your own level of creativity comes directly out of knowing the information. And so while I was spot on by knowing the information, the one thing that I didn't do was was again just move enough into what I call chuckisms to make that happen. And so how do you find that voice? Number one, you've got to know exactly what it is that you're trying to teach. And then number two, put your own flavor or your own spin on it. Now that doesn't mean you deviate away from points of performance or the things that are non-negotiable, but it does mean that you take your own flavor style as to how you get athletes to accomplish those. And um, you know, that only comes with trial and error. Um, if you haven't crashed and burned in this coaching thing yet, you, you haven't taken, you know, enough liberties or you haven't coached enough one of the two. And it's just a matter of time. The cool thing about it though, is if you own your mistakes, um, and I, I feel like people will give you more opportunity but if you try to sweep things under the rug as if they didn't happen you know crossfitters have a very sensitive BS meter and if you peg that BS meter you're done as a coach in my opinion so yeah learn, learn what you're supposed to learn and then morph it out of that but that's not a fast approach you've got to earn the right to be able to step outside the box
0: love it yeah so understand the material before putting your own it's like um Mechanics, consistency, intensity, right? Something like that. Have the mechanics down before you ratchet up that intensity. Let's go with Luke. Luke, we'll go Luke. I see you guys come up in order of when you put your hands up. So Luke, you go ahead first.
5: Nice. hey Chuck.
0: Um, Luke, how are
6: you?
5: (laughs) I'm one of the few guys who has not been at a seminar flowed by you yet.
2: Okay. Um, Yeah. I got my LT coming
5: up. I'm hoping you're going to be there.
2: (laughs) Where are you going to, where are you taking? I'm going
5: to be at Mayhem in February.
2: Okay. That I want to, to be unusual. I'm Always making that face. Tennessee.
5: Uh, wait for yeah. it. Wait for
2: I it. I was looking. Not there. <laughs> uh. Yet. Go ahead, though, brother. Yet.
5: Okay. There we go. All right. So my question is just about um, the relentless pursuit of coaching. We've talked about it a little bit um, in the groups, but where do you draw the line between, like, the movement is good enough for today, knowing that this athlete's going to come back to, say, deadlifts next week as well, um, between, like, being relentless as a coach and getting somebody to good enough for today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that is in and of itself, the art of coaching and people want a definite line in sand. And I was that guy when I sat on the front row of glass, he's like, you know, this is what we're aiming for. And I'm like, okay, cool. But everybody can't get to that position. So where do you actually go ahead and say, Hey, that's cool. And I, I don't think that that place actually comes until the very end of class. Honestly, I think there's a refinement process that's happening along the way. And the coach has to balance That relentless pursuit of, I want you to be better, I want you to be better, but also the acknowledgement of, hey, what you're doing in this particular point of the deadlift is solid. I feel like the more praise you give for the things that go well, the more opportunity you get to be able to refine movement patterns. But if people are always being told what they do wrong, do wrong, do wrong, then you're exactly right. They will exhaust, uh, you'll exhaust them as a coach. And so um, the balance is, probably if I had to give you a specific point of performance, it's the back being flat. If I can get that straight, then we've got an opportunity. Everything else is, you know, depending on the loading is, is, is probably secondary to a neutral spine. But if you can't get your back into a good position, what should have probably have happened is I should have determined what we were gonna do differently in the warmup before we ever started adding significant load to the movement. So to me, the warm up is the place where you can figure out what you're going to do for the workout and the, the pieces that you're going to hold your athlete accountable for during the class. That to me, if you miss that opportunity, now you're trying to undo something in the heat of the moment, and most athletes will give you the you know talk to the hand or the stiff arm. They don't want to hear it, or you only get a couple of cues to make that happen. So use your warm up wisely, um, and then it's an ongoing process. Plenty of praise, and then you can refine the movement as best you can. But without the praise, you know, it's never going to be any good. So, yeah.
0: Does that answer your question, Luke? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that was. Was there something more
2: specific? Was there something more specific you wanted to know about,
0: or is that?
5: No, honestly, just kind of getting a good uh, answer for just the basic part of that question. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank
0: you. So, so Chuck, to follow that up, a lot of the drills we do are with one to three people here in the group. Not necessarily in a class setting or they're, you know, doing a, mm-hmm. an on-ramp type thing to, to follow up on what Luke's asking, how do you know when to stop, you know? So for example, at level two is we say, Hey, you have seven minutes, but at what point do you know? Okay. Enough is enough. What do you look for in an athlete to be like, I'm pushing this person to their limits?
2: Yeah, I think it's two things. And you mentioned one of them, you've got seven minutes, and then you've got the standard that you're looking for, for the movement. And those are the two guides that I generally would use. The third one, I'll circle into that is kind of what's happening with the athlete. Like there's, there's nonverbal communication and verbal communication going back and forth the entire time. And most of us can read an athlete to when they're starting to get to a place of frustration, or you need to go talk to somebody else, coach, that kind of thing. And I think that that's a signal that one of two things is happening. You're either constantly harping on the things that aren't being done right, or you need to give way more praise for the things that are being done right. And if you can balance those two things, you'll have more time to correct. And so I'm a huge fan of leveraging your presence and attitude, You know, your ability to keep folks interested, happy and laughing and joking and all of that. But only for the, well, for two reasons. Number one, to have a crap ton of fun, because that's always great when you're working with somebody. But the second reason is if people are having fun, they'll give you more opportunity to correct them. It's when they stop having fun that it's time for you to move on to somebody else. And so um, look for those things, monitor your time, monitor the points of performance that are happening with the athlete. And then three, um, you know, read those nonverbal and verbal communication things that are happening there. Yeah. That's, that's the art of coaching. It's like, I can't tell you exactly where that is, but for some it'll be a lot longer and for others it'll be a lot shorter, you know? And you guys know it. People come into the class, it's like, coach, don't talk to me today. I'm just here so I can get my workout on. I don't care about hips and shoulders rising at the same time. It's not not important to me today, you know. I hate I hate my significant other and I just want to work out, you know, that kind of thing.
4: So
0: <laughs> Love it. All right. Jersey Tony. All right.
4: Just wanna know, and this is a joke, More Chuck, you Jason, you heard he said it's okay to say good. All right? So I want you to know that. Jason Don't be distracted part-
0: by Jersey Tony's blue blockers either. Chuck. All right, he's got- the
4: blue light. I stare at a computer all day. I'm sorry. Um, Chuck, uh, I'll try and make this as quick as possible. One, thank you, obviously, for all that you do as a, as a minority and a person of color. Um, it's very uh, refreshing to see. Um, I often, I forget that I am a person of color, and uh, just to see where the, the sport has gone. So that's number, number question one, that was more common. Question one, why no social media? All right, that's number one. Um, number two, and I'll hit you and you can answer them all. Where do you see the sport in a year or two? And then number three, I'm one of those newer coaches. I'm just, oh shit. Sorry, that's my dogs in the back. Sorry, right. you got a Wonder little yappy
0: yeah. dog there. Yeah. a labradoodle,
4: a lab-a-doodle and a toy Australian Shepherd <laughs> are fighting with each other. All right, it's better than kids crying. And then number three, um, what would you tell yourself now, or when you were first coaching? Because I'm one of those newer coaches. So what would you tell yourself way back when that you know now and. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, so let's yes, recap. Sir. Why don't you answer that one first, Chuck? What would you tell your your former two thousand and seven CrossFit coach self? And then where do you see the games? And then finally, why no social media? No social
2: media. Yeah. So, um, so I think I I think I did pretty good with with what I would tell my former self. I think I did a pretty good job immersing myself in the program. I went to three level ones. That's literally before I ever even thought about. The level two. Number one, I didn't know there was a level two, so that's the first thing. Uh, I would say immerse yourself in the program, honestly, and and I will expand that a little bit. Learn as much as you can about things outside of the program, but don't believe everything you learn. And what I mean by that is that there are some nuances between the way we teach things and the way some of the more specialized areas do that. I think allow trainers to get bogged down, confused and start drawing these hard lines in the sand. And I think it's not that important. Learn as much as you can about how Olympic lifting styles from all across the world, teach all of that stuff, but don't major in the minors, get the major pieces squared away. You got to keep the arms long. You got to stand tall before you pull the bar. Like that's, that's almost a universal accepted piece in the snaps. So that would be the one immerse yourself in the program Um, learn as much as you can don't necessarily believe as much believe everything you learn number two the sport Um, so Rosa has made some really cool decisions I think for CrossFit and one of them is um, is by putting Dave Castro solely responsible for the sport side of the program in the past he's had dual roles multiple roles but now he has kind of like a single focus and if you know anything about Dave Castro when he has um clear guidance he can he can work magic and um I think the sport is going to grow to um to what it used to be four four years ago maybe three four years ago and begin to exceed that I honestly do because I I think he has a clear vision for it and I also think that without any other distractions or pulls, he'll have the opportunity to grow the sport the way he actually wants, or the way we want to see it grow. Um, So I can see the worldwide stage coming back, assuming that COVID kind of allows us that opportunity. And even if COVID doesn't, I think the creativity that Dave, Justin Berg, and all of that crew has um, will still provide us with opportunities to see some pretty cool competitions go down. I think this, this, This games we had this year um, where athletes got a chance to compete in their time zones was phenomenal. I think that's how you standardize and make it fair for everybody. And I think we'll see more of that kind of style coming up, how they'll keep those workouts secret, totally up to those guys. But that's definitely what I see growing exponentially. No question. Why no social media? Um, (laughs) uh, I, you know, what coach Glassman asked me years ago, he said, um, you want, I want to go ahead and get you an email address. So I was like, cool, let's do it. And he said, I want it to be Chuck And I turned it down. And the reason I did initially was because I knew for a fact that the moment that that became my email address at the end of every seminar, I would write it on the board and the entire community would have access to me right away. And so I had to make sure that I was ready for it because I knew my world was going to change. Um, I took the email address, but I can't have the social media because again, it's another avenue for people to get to me. And I just would much rather have you email me, text me something like that, as opposed to reach out on some social media thing where you get a very limited snapshot of what, my thoughts are, my words are, or my actions are, and now you can judge me accordingly to what you see in that little snapshot. And I just refuse to play that game. I just, I just won't do it. So, um, so that's why I know social media. I, I, I miss out on a lot of opportunities because of not having it. I miss out on a lot of information because of not having it. But I also know that if people, uh, for the first. Five six years of CrossFit, almost everybody in the community, if they took a level one from me and got an email from me, had my phone number at the bottom of their email. So they could reach out to me and get me at any way they wanted to. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um, I, again, it may be something that changes at one point, but uh, for now, I just, I don't like the downside of having social media. So, yeah.
0: I like it. And you get more real interaction as well.
2: I I think so. Uh, It would be nice to see, you know, snippets of people's life, but then, too, uh, you know, if you want the whole totality of it, you can't go based on a picture with where they were with lunch and who ate with them. That's just not realistic, you know? So, pictures worth a thousand words, but it's also leaving out an additional 9,000, I think, sometimes. So,
0: write that down.
2: No social media.
0: Write that down somewhere, guys, in the group. (laughs) All right, let's go to uh, Devin.
7: Hey, Chuck. Uh, Hey, Devin. First off, I'm taking my level to January 8th in uh, Pittsburgh. You ever traveled to Pittsburgh?
2: Yeah, I've been to Pittsburgh a couple times. I actually PR'd my uh, DT up at CrossFit Pittsburgh, I think, years ago. Yeah. Love that place. Um, I don't know if that's the same gym, but yeah.
7: I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, So my question kind of goes with, uh, Best Hour had a post today, and it says, Uh not all members care about intensity.
0: That was me. Um, That's one of the yeah, posts I'm yeah. saying people are arguing nonsense. <laughs> people just like to argue. So,
7: so my question comes from uh, Chuck Bennington said, we, we've we all had those people where we're rowing a 500 today and they're pulling a 330 split. And you're like, pull faster. And they're saying, well, this is all the faster I can go. How, you know, maybe not all members care about intensity, but clearly they can go faster than a 330 split. How do you... How do you, uh, like translate that to, uh, to a member, especially when they're like, I have a member here, she's been here for three months, no weight loss. And she gets, she gets upset and, uh, she just, she just comes here to move. She doesn't execute intensity. So how do you transition, like translate that over to an athlete who doesn't quite understand?
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a really solid one. And so I I feel like this one is a revisit of goals. Like, honestly, it's like, you know, if she's upset about not losing weight, is that really the goal that she's coming for? Or is she looking for community only? Or is community the priority weight and um, weight loss is secondary? Like, in my opinion, you've got to reestablish what was the purpose of her coming to the gym? Because that is the motivating factor for what's going to take her forward. So if coming to the gym was weight loss, then part of that has to do with uh, you tying that into what intensity is going to bring. Um, Most clients that come to the gym are looking for something specific, but in the grand scheme of things, what most of them are looking for is a leader somebody to actually take them through the process and get them to where they want to go. And how you do that is a rehearsing of, of the goals and a rehearsing of how to actually get to that place. And so, um, yeah, I would go with a one-on-one conversation in the office. I'd like, talk to me, tell me what's going on. Before I went ahead and said, you need to go faster again. Like, you've tried that cue and that cue's not working. It's time to change and change cues. Let's go for a different strategy. And the strategy would be, Hey, Angela, come to the office. and Let's sit and talk. Hey, are you still happy here? What's going on with you, girl? You know, talk to me. Tell me what your week been like. What's going on? Are we still aiming to lose weight? Is that the ultimate goal that we're after? Or is that changed into something else? And then once you know what that thing is, you can refocus her based on the efforts that she's given you in the gym, outside the gym, towards that particular goal. But if you don't know what that goal is, or you're thinking that goal is something that it's no longer the priority for her, then essentially you're attaching something. When her goal is up here, you're chasing something that's not really a priority for her. And so um, that would be my suggestion to you. Now, if you need her to go faster and she's still not going faster, you know, we can turn that into a Tabata row and, you know, work on some skills of trying to get her faster, that sort of thing. But I'd revisit the goal and find out what's going on there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Luke, since I'm the one that posted that there, like I think also what you have to remember is there's a difference between somebody just not exuding any effort and and the difference that I was searching is like, not everyone's looking for max effort intensity and certainly not every day, right? But, and what Chuck just said goes back to our very first lesson guys, understanding people's why, right? It never, it's never a bad idea to just sit down with your athlete and, and, and talk to them. Um, and then, lastly, I would I would throw there for all of us in the group. We're smart enough to know what they do in the box is relatively insignificant if they're not eating right. Yeah, like they could eat right, and I could, I could roll a three thirty and then be okay, right? If I'm eating right, so what are you, gonna you, say do roll, you do
2: roll it. You do roll a three thirty. That would that be intensity? That would be me intensity, right? It's, and then also relative. knowing
0: that about your athletes, like wow, that is intense for them. Yeah, um, that is yeah. <laughs> um who we got next jason thanks
2: devin hey chuck how's it going hey brother good i you did
7: my level one i want to say was in 2015 something like that with you and uh todd and it was great time
2: you Um, did not have the beard that long
7: it wasn't it wasn't this long you didn't make a comment about it um yeah
2: but
7: but yeah it was uh, a little shorter um all right so One of the things you're you're most known for is just you have this endless enthusiasm and just such positive attitude and kind of two parts. I want to know kind of what drives you, you know, what, where's that source of enthusiasm come from and do you uh, ever get burnt out? You know, we talk about a lot about coaches getting burnt burnt out and experience that. And do you experience that? And if you do, what do you use to uh, get back on track?
2: Yeah. So yeah, what drives me? Um, We just did a video a little while ago. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it or not, but uh, we uh, I've been very fortunate to have multiple opportunities, obviously, in this program. Um, But we did a, um, a video recently on the CrossFit scholarship program. And I, you know, said on that video that I wanted to be um, somebody else's motivation, basically that you know, this thing is possible. It's a real live goal, no matter how crazy it is. Um, and then try to provide some realistic steps for people to be able to get there, recognizing that every goal is never going to be achieved. Um, so what drives me is that, honestly, I literally want people to, to, to have somebody in their corner that believes that they can be better. And sometimes that means telling them realistic, hard truths, which is never fun sometimes. Um, um, but the driving factor is just wanting to be better, man. I just, I, I you know, I'm a fo- ex-football player. That's kind of my trade. And you could become an all SEC performer one week and then get burned for three or four touchdowns the very next week. And so it's almost like what you did back there is good for back there, but it doesn't carry you forward to today. And so you always have to constantly prove yourself to some level. So that's kind of the driving factor. Do I get burned out? Absolutely. And, um, I have multiple ways of, (laughs) of getting myself through my burnout. Um, I'm a beast on the cheat night, that's for sure. And, uh, sometimes that satisfaction and downtime is, 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 very, very fun. Um, but I also, I also, um, am not one that has to always gain the spotlight. And so I'm a huge fan of pushing other people forward as much as possible. And Jay can probably attest to this, that, you know, there are weekends when I go into some of my seminars where I I feel like I'm on and things are clicking, the jokes are happening. You know, I'm getting information that I studied nine years ago and being able to relate that stuff. And then there's some weekends where that's just not happening. It's just, you know, whatever is just not going on. And so I'm a huge fan of making sure that other people get opportunities as well. And, um, you know, to me, that is, that is the thing. I'm a a huge comedy guy too. So I don't, I'm not funny. I'm a comedy guy, which means I listen to comedy quite regularly. So, um,
0: yeah, so
2: that's kind of how I deal with it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Chuck. Did you watch the new Kevin Hart special on Netflix, Chuck?
2: So, you know, Kevin Hart to me tries too hard, brother. I, you know, I like him. He's funny, but, you know, I'm, I'm more of a I'm more of a I have a drink in my mouth and I spit it out because I, you caught me off guard kind of guy, you know. And uh, that's more of the Dave Chappelle kind of, you know, so some Dave characters Chappelle like
0: that. killing it. He's become he's not a comedian anymore. He's like a uh, philosopher.
2: Yeah. He's a great storyteller. too. Anybody that tells great stories to me can, can, uh, can make me laugh. So,
0: yeah. All right. Let's go with Matt. Hey, Chuck.
2: Hey, what's up, brother?
6: Uh, Thank you for everything you do. Pleasure. Uh, I I have two questions. I'm Mm -hmm. taking my level three on January and I want to know tips for my level three. And I also want to be on seminar staff one day. So like, okay tips on let's just say i mean i'm not in the process yet but like when i get into the process of the whole <clears throat> i forgot the name of it though, but i know that there's different processes you go once and then they look at some stuff you do mm-hmm. and then second time everything else, all that stuff tips on my laboratory, and also uh how to on seminar staff,
2: basically, yeah, no no problem. And so those are two great questions. Uh, number one, the level three is a brutal test. How m- is anybody here taking the level three? Is no, there's we a, have a few, you, right?
0: yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Matt's yeah. on here, but we have a
2: couple, yeah. So the level three is a brutal, brutal test. Um, and and the thing I would tell you is study more than you think you need to study. And I mean, read everything they sent you. I mean, the questions on there, some of them are so obscure. Some of them are specific to day to day in the gym stuff. And some of them are just, uh, you know, your perspective as a coach. And um, that's probably all I can give you with without violating some of the ANSI rules. I think I wrote some of the questions on that test and, uh, it took me three hours and 38 minutes to finish it out of the four hours that they gave us. Now I've had a lot of hits to the head with the football, but the point was I had 15 questions at the end of the test that I wanted to go back and kind of double check and see. And at three thirty-eight, 38, I unchecked all 15 of them and just crossed my fingers and submitted that thing. I was over it. Uh, so yeah, it's just just prepare and, and treat it um, very much. If you've been to college, treat it like a college course. Uh, if you've not, um, treat it like it's the hardest test of your life. And you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised and pleasantly, uh, you'll probably be extremely happy with where CrossFit is going when you sit for that test because it's pretty brutal. The second question was seminar staff. Um, not many people recognize that being on seminar staff is only one avenue of, of recognized great coaching. And it's not for everybody. It is literally in service of the community. And people think because you get to wear the CrossFit red shirt that it is like, you know, I have a totally arrived. And um, what I'll tell you is uh, it's a labor of love. It's a rewarding and fun job but it's very much like being a coach at a gym uh, who has to clean the bathroom occasionally, who has to put away PVC PVC pipes and wipe down med balls. It's a service to the community. And so um, it's an honor to serve, but it is service. So what I would tell you to do is realize it's a job interview. And um, hopefully Jay has done a really good job in this platform of teaching you guys to take feedback. Um, Because again- Ask Jersey Tony. Okay. (laughs) If you can't, I mean, honestly, that's what it's about. It's about taking feedback and seeing how you respond. And if you, you know, if in this platform you guys are getting that opportunity, then you're probably head and shoulders above the rest. Um, But yeah, you'd be surprised how many people aren't willing to take feedback or don't take feedback well. And um, and I would tell you that in order to get better, you know, you you just have to be able to take it. You don't have to necessarily agree with it. But you have to be able to see the perspective and see if you can't make adjustments that will help you going forward. If you're willing to do that, then it's just a matter of are you a right fit for the for the gig? You know, it's it, it's a you know, I live my life in airports and hotels. And, uh, you know, if that's glamorous for you, then come on. But if that's not glamorous for you, then maybe maybe go ahead and tell them thank you. But no, thank you. You know, so, yeah, it's good questions, though.
0: And Brady, to answer your question, yes, the level three, I believe, is immediate results. I don't know if I was expecting that um, yeah. when I walked out. Uh, let's go with Miles. Yeah, Miles.
4: Chuck, thank you for being here. Thank you for everything. I'm. Um, depending on the holiday schedule, I should be taking my L2 in Birmingham in
0: two weeks.
1: Okay. So, oh, was that town
0: Yeah. You're at a lot of those, um, Chuck.
2: Yeah. I'm not on, I'm not in two weeks though. Mm. Nope. Lindsay's usually there too. Team.
4: Yeah. Um. So I'm in the process of starting my own affiliate. I actually okay. just got the approval uh, letter from CrossFit or email today. Well, congrats there, um, uh, yeah, Miles. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm nuts in this whole COVID <laughs> environment, but you know, you only live once. <laughs> my, my question is, since you've been in so many boxes, my goal, especially in the, uh, the area I live, I feel I have one shot to create the community, to, to, yeah. to make it a third home. Since you've been in so many different boxes, I was going to ask you what some things you've maybe seen or witnessed that you said, wow, that's that's a great way to bring the community in or or, or to make this a third home.
2: Yeah. Um, I think you kind of mentioned it right away. It's like the community aspect. And the question is how are you going to establish that at your gym? And the one thing I would tell you is it probably – has a lot to do there at your gym, but most of it is going to be the outreach that you have to the community. If you can get your hands in the community, you'll become a bigger influence than just what goes on in the walls of your gym. We all know that what goes on in the walls of the gym is good stuff. People are going to benefit. You just show up, give us a little bit of intensity and eat moderately right. Things are going to start to happen. But outside of that, who are you touching in the community beyond beyond your four walls of your gym and how you do that. I'm going to leave up to you, but what I'll tell you is every gym is about one or two relationships from everything they need. So if you need to have a bigger influence in the community, get to the the County commissioner or all the other meetings, the people that are influential, you're going to have to do that by the relationships that you have inside the walls of the gym. And so, um, events are always great. Um, Being involved in um, in some of the fundraising things for your community are always great. Um, But usually people that are successful and have phenomenal communities recognize who the people are in their gym and know that they're one or two relationships away from literally being involved in everything in the community. How you do that, I can't I, I won't give you a specific way to do that. But but I will just tell you, recognize who you have coming into your gym, invest your time in knowing who those people are, because I can almost guarantee you if people are paying 150 to 200, 350 bucks a month, these are people that have some influence in the community and you need to know where that influence is.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. That's great. Hopefully that helps.
0: Chuck, what do you think is the magic number for a single box owner and growth of a community?
2: cool I, I I don't know Jay um, it, it, I think it comes back to your skill set management skills how can you you know how, how are you with keeping up with people that sort of thing when I had my gym we grew it to you know to 80 clients with two trainers myself and my business partner and we were still calling people when they missed their sessions that sort of thing and so I, I would probably say somewhere around that number maybe a little more with with management skill you can probably expand that out um, I didn't have good management skills. Like I said, I got, you know, call me on my cell phone, text me, that sort of thing. Like, that's how we, that's how we roll. Yeah. We were, we were similar with our finances too. It's like, we didn't chase people for money. We didn't have, we didn't have um, uh, agreements and contracts. It's like, if you didn't want to be at our facility, we didn't want you to be there. Um, That probably wasn't a good business strategy, especially if you're talking about, you know, longevity as a gym owner and, putting braces on kids teeth, that sort of thing. But um, we were protective of our culture. And so I had to earn the right of every, um, every client that walked in every, every day, like literally, I was earning their check every single time they walked in the door. So it made me it forced me out of my comfort zone a lot. So
0: Do you still have 100% retention rate at your current
2: affiliate? At my current affiliate, I have 100% retention rate. (laughs) What what Jay is referring to, some of you have probably heard me introduce this if you've been to the level ones or level twos. Uh, I have a two car garage that's outfitted, not really all that nice, but it's outfitted. And uh, the one client I have is my son. So, you know. He still comes. He's in college right now. And so I'm probably gonna lose him in the next couple of years. So we'll see what happens. But Uh right now I'm the only affiliate with 100% retention rate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that's a bad stat if you lose 100% of your members too. (laughs) I like what Tony just said. Jersey Tony just reiterated, hey, love the fact that every guest that we've had on from Coach B to Austin to Alec um, has the same feeling. If you don't wanna be here, then you don't wanna be here. Well well said, uh, Jersey Tony. Federico, I see you, but I'm holding you off because I love to... Don't, don't unmute yourself, Federico. I love when you're our last question. So, Owen, I see you.
6: Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Good, brother. Good, good to see you again. You did my, uh, you my level one and my level two. Yeah, yeah, I'm out here with Dorian. <laughs> so, um, yeah, first, go dogs. Want to get that one in. There you go. Um, so, my question is just kind of a couple people kind of answered some where you touched on a few things. So like, whether it's coaching wise or within the community, I'm just really interested. Like what's one thing that just like really fires you up, like that you absolutely love either seeing when you're coaching or just in the community in general, maybe a trend. And what's something that you can just do without. And it's like, uh, we don't need that.
2: Whew. Uh, And you're talking about specifically in the box. Is that right?
6: Yeah. Like it could be like a a trend you see in coaching or, or in the community in general and like something that really fires you up. And then something that's like, ah, we could, we could take or leave that one.
2: So this is going to be, I have to walk a fine line with this one and um, because I don't want to come across as, someone who is anti-competition or anti-sport obviously have competed my, my whole life. Um, and so competition is a big thing for, for me, but, um, I think it's, I think I could do without, I could do without, um, the trend that there has to be at the beginning of every single session, a strength followed by a matcon. I could do without that. Um, And I would like to see us do without that more often. Having said that, though, because this is an affiliate model, I think it's a huge applause to people that can do strength followed by Metcon and execute it well. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen very well. So the one thing I'd like to see us do without, trend-wise, is feeling like we have to do something barbell, strength-related, followed by Metcon. I would much rather see us try to get people upside down working on handstand walks, muscle ups, things of that L sits, things of that nature. That would be my first thing. Um, the thing that I love to see is there seems to be a shift in our, in, our, in our gyms that people are starting to celebrate scaling more. And to me, that is badass. When people are willing to take the RX version, and be able to morph it down and go, you know what, today I can't actually do that. I need to do something different and be okay with it. To me, that is the one thing I think will make um, people continually come to our facility for the long term, not feeling like they have to leave broken every single time, or that because they have a muscle up, they have to do muscle ups for the entire workout. It might be appropriate today to not do one muscle up and stare at the rings for the next two and a half minutes before you can get your next one. So that scaling aspect, huge applause. Um, And I would like to see just a little bit of reduction in the strength followed by Metcon. And I would like to see that strength piece followed up by reintroducing new skills, seeing athletes get legless rope climbs before they have a two times body weight deadlift. Like to me, that, that is impressive. Um, Jay and I have a friend that has a client that has, he's 68 years old now, and he does legless rope climbs in a workout to me like that, you know, what more exemplifies what this program can do for people than seeing a legless rope climb at a human being. That's almost 70 years old, not one, not two, but cycled in a workout to me. That's just, that is the foundation built properly in my opinion, but yeah, sorry, brother. Nice shirt too, by the way. Thank you.
0: When I was judging the games last year, I had the best, I had the fittest from India, Sim, and uh, in the first heat, in the like, you know how they had every 150 people? And he he got through one legless rope climb, and that was it. I just sat there staring at him for about 18 minutes, trying to get legless rope climb. So Sim, you should be, you know, training. I want to see you at the games uh, next year. So Chuck, Do you know who that was, Sam? I mean, is is he well-represented in India? Uh, uh, He's (laughs) at at a box
7: close by, pretty close by, uh, city nearby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Strong dude, but just couldn't show it. uh,
7: You're talking about Vedarth.
0: I don't remember his name. Uh, No. So, Chuck, why do you think over the years, strength got pushed to the forefront? It was never part of Coach Glassman's credo or... You know, yeah. it, you know, it yeah. was a, in, in fitness in 100 words, it was splits and slips and all, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Why do you think over the years it, it became that? I,
2: I think what happened was people were trying to overlay the old program an old fitness style program onto this CrossFit program and traditional routes of getting strong involve machines, barbells and external loads. And it's like, Unfortunately, that's not the foundation. The foundation is you've got to learn how to control your body before you can start doing well with all these other things. And I think, I think somehow the celebration of, of weightlifting, which we totally need to do just was a little bit more obvious and promoted than was the gymnastics type stuff. When I watched Chris Spieler do 29 muscle ups in a row, um, you know, and then he fell off the rings and couldn't get his 30th. And I was so grateful because I forgot to start the clock, like, you know, for 30 muscle-ups for times. It was, it was a great day for me. When I watched him do 98 pull-ups in a row, you know, and, and not being able to hang on because he was so bloody, he just slipped right off the bar. Like when you see feats like that, um, it makes a one and a half times body weight snatch pale. And it's just not the same, you know? Um, I don't know. I just think that we we somehow missed missed the boat or interpreted things a little bit wrong. And I, again, going back to one of the first questions I think that came up about what would I do, and it was a commitment to the to the to the program in and of itself. To understand that, I think that was one of the first questions that we had earlier. Um, yeah, that's what I, I mean. You just missed it right there, plain English. It says, "Hey, here's the story. You've got to." Control your body weight before you start talking about external loads. It's like somebody missed that and went directly to external loads, and um, and now we've got this incredible gap um, in many places in the program that we've got to catch up on. So
0: yeah, sorry. I think it's it's sexier, and also you can easily do the, You know, the journey from no pull-ups to your first pull-up could be months, if not years. But the journey from a 95 pound snatch to 135 could be, you know, a couple of weeks, right? Dial in that technique a little bit. So there's probably something to be said about just the hard work and grind of improving that.
2: Yeah, and 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 I'll go back, Jay. Part of part of the reason that we didn't teach muscle ups early on was because of my lack of ability to teach them. <laughs> I mean, I could do it. I could climb up on the rings and go, is this what you're talking about? Like that thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. But unfortunately I didn't have a skill set that says, Hey, if somebody doesn't have pulling power, how can I still get them on the rings in a position that is going to number one, keep them safe. And number two, get them learning the neurological components that someday when they get strong enough, it's not going to, I'm not going to have to reteach the pulling positions. They're going to know exactly what it's like to, to work the rings close to the body and, pull deep towards the side process or the sternum if i had that skill set i would have taught those things a lot earlier but it was a commitment to not knowing that information and so again learn as much as i possibly can with help so
0: yeah that makes sense too i mean people were coaching the snatch at least publicly before it was so public coaching the muscle up and handstand walking etc all right i see you brady you have another question go brother
3: yeah really fast um so do you think, Chuck, I know you said that people started putting a bigger emphasis on weight on on weightlifting, like strength and Metcon. Do you think yeah. it's because kind of like the early thing, dude, get out of the camera. Um, <laughs> uh, do you think it's because like in the early 2010s when games athletes kind of started putting a big stress on strength, like snatch, clean and jerk, back squat, deadlift, the whole, like, do you think that's kind of turned, in, turned into the trend or it just happened to go that way in affiliates?
2: I think it happened to go that way because people want to do what they're good at. Like, that's just the deal. I mean, I, you let me program workouts. I can tell you what it's going to be. They're going to be about four to five minutes long. The barbell is going to be 135 pounds and we're not doing any more than 30 repetitions. Like that's because I know that's my sweet spot. Um, but if you, but if you, if you're committed to learning, you know, the unknown and the unknowable pieces to this program, you can't ignore the fact that you've got a two times body weight deadlift, but you can't kick upside down and do seven unbroken handstand pushups. Like that's the, that's out of balance. Like, okay, you've got this incredible deadlift, but if you're talking about being well-rounded in this program, you, you got to have an L sit too. Like that's just, it's just out of proportion. And so what we do is we don't have a commitment to the weaknesses and the deficiencies. We have a commitment to the things that we're good at. Why? Cause we can see gains there pretty regularly. Um, you know, it takes a while to get a two minute L sit. I mean, you know, I, I still don't have one and I've been doing this since 2000 and, you know, whatever. But um, I, I just think people don't like being told what they don't do well. And again, that's same thing in coaching. You come see my coaching class, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work on and do what I'm good at, but I don't want to hear that I need to spend more time on creating a better progression for that, uh, for that lunge for the athlete that doesn't have one yet. Like, you know, yeah. Sorry, brother. I just get on soapboxes. You got strike nerves every now and then. And that's what happens. So.
0: <laughs> All good. All right. So there's no more questions. We'll uh, wrap this thing up. Just kidding. Frederico. I see you in the corner. <laughs> Frederico. Go, go ahead. You're up. Hi, Jack. Hi. My question is, what's, the from um red short perspective uh long term red short perspective what's the worst thing that changed in crossfit that you
7: that you want to change in what you think
2: is better? What is the thing that I want to change in CrossFit? Yes. Hmm The thing that I want to change, man, that's good. I, uh, that I want to change. Uh, you know, I wish gymnastics wasn't at the bottom of that theoretical hierarchy as a development of an athlete. I'm 200 and some odd pounds, brother. I don't want to be there. No, that's one thing for sure. Um, the thing that I, that I want to see changed in the program, uh, I, so I I'm very much a CrossFit loyalist and, um, As much as I can be, and I'm a huge fan of people being able to do what they want to with their affiliates. I think it's a huge benefit that if you want to not have an on-ramp program at your gym, to not have one. If you want to do strength followed by Metcon, you should have the right to go ahead and do that. And so I, I hesitate to go ahead and say that I would change any of that stuff. I guess the one thing that I would like to see is... Um, is maybe after going, maybe after 15 years of being in the program, something like that. Um, maybe you should, you should look to try to do something further in terms of credentials. And I, I even hesitate to make that a thing I would like to see. It's like, my heart says that I would like that, but, um, I don't know that I'd want that to be put in stone. I just think there's so much value to the product that we're putting out um, that I wish everybody could, could, and would want to take advantage of it. Um, But there's also opportunities like this springing up where you guys don't have to go through the CrossFit level two, level three, where you get an opportunity to get some feedback on your coaching. So if I, okay. So to rephrase your, to rephrase my answer, I wish everybody had a mandatory amount of feedback that they had to receive from somebody not working at their gym. There you go. That would be my one thing. I wish that in five years, 10 years, you had to have somebody come into your facility, CrossFit, not CrossFit, but be able to give you mandatory feedback on your coaching. That's the one thing I wish that was there. CrossFit will never mandate that. And I'm not recommending that we do, I just wish it was something that was a part of what's happening. Just so you had the chance to hear a different voice than the people that work for you or that you work for. That's what I wish,
0: yeah. So would you recommend piggybacking on that and then I'll let you chime in Federico, that potentially that could um, remove your affiliation? No. No. So even if you're a terrible coach, somebody comes in, you're the worst coach I've ever seen. You just, that's your feedback. We're out
2: of here. Yeah, yeah. And so so here's the story. (laughs) Look, there there have been moments that I can guarantee you, if you ask some of the participants that have gone to a seminar, they were like, yeah, he just wasn't that good this weekend. I was expecting more and he wasn't there. So I, I don't think a snapshot of one day in your affiliate is going to be a full depiction of the kind of quality that you're providing. But I do think you need to wrestle with the information that you receive. The information is, hey, you crushed this, but that part actually sucked. Now it's on you to go back and figure out what are you going to do with that information? To me, I feel like that's the one thing I wish everybody had to to deal with or wrestle with.
0: Yeah. Like like social media. It's just a snapshot, <laughs> as you said, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Christian? Nobody
0: gets, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Nobody gets what?
2: No. Nobody gets better being told what they do well all, all the time. So if you can't get that feedback, man, it's just you're operating in a vacuum. It's just not realistic. So-
0: how many times have I told you guys that, right? Brady likes to shoot uh, sunshine and rainbows out of his butt at everybody when I give him the feedback and I'm like, hey you're Austin said that to me way back when I started I don't need to tell you what you're good at you're here yeah here's what you need to work on
2: yeah, and, um, and we all probably stole that from Pat Sherwood. I think he told me that one of my very first seminars when after he told me you crushed it, like it was like high five, chest bump. And then he pulled me to the side and was like, look, here's the story. If I give you all of that stuff, every time you're going to end up sucking in the long run. So let me tell you the hard stuff. And literally he, he laid it all out to me, top to bottom, a lot of nitpicky stuff sometimes, but it was stuff I had to wrestle with. So it's good.
0: And you guys that are head coaches and box owners give positive, treat your, your coaching staff. Like you would an athlete, give them, enough positive praise that they're still receptive to that feedback. Yeah, You guys are a different breed trying to level up, get your level three or become part of staff than your coach that coaches two times a week. And you have to balance that feedback with where meet them, where they are. Christian. Yeah, this is a follow-up to earlier. I'm just curious. You, uh, you had said something along the lines of uh, seminar staff, wasn't the only uh, prestigious, Title, um, yeah. Rossman. I was just curious, what
6: was the other one you
0: had in mind?
2: Yeah, there's other ones. Uh, gym owner, affiliate owner is a phenomenal one, man. You're you're the leader of people. I mean, people show up daily to come to your box because they think you have the answers, bro. Like that, like what? Well, I mean, forget about the red shirt, man. You have people paying you money consistently, and they don't see you one weekend, two days. They see. You week after week, month after month, when you get there on time, when you're five minutes late, they see you how you respond when you're prepared and you're not prepared. They see all of that to me. I mean, huge kudos to you guys, man. I mean, you're taking people on a on a journey and they're they're consistently investing their hard earned money in the product that you're producing. I mean, that to me is, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think that's that's as impactful as what we do. We just set the goal. We set the, the trajectory, uh, at least for, for affiliate owners and people that are trying to get into the program. But you guys, man, you're hand walking them all the way through this process, man. That's like, bro, like, you know, we're ju- we're a snapshot. You guys are actually the the journeyman. So it's really cool. Yeah. That's mine. All right, Chuck. Oh, you, like you have the- a follow-up question. You
0: like, it? Oh, I was going to say, I, I noticed too that like if you know if you treat your members right, they uh, they look to you just like coaches would to a red shirt. Yeah. Like they think we're the cat's ass. Like they're yeah. always like hyping us up, and I'm like, I'm not that cool. <laughs> for the record, cat's ass is good. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So you know, think about it. I mean, I'm very proud. It's one of my hardest achievements that I've ever done, and it's hard work. But how many of you literally were like, oh, I don't even remember who was at my level one, my level two, right? Brady couldn't name the other people. He remembers an attractive girl. That's all he remembers, right? But you remember (laughs) your first coach. You remember your box owner. Those are the people that truly impact you on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, I think there is a big misconception. Frederico, I see you unmuted yourself. Did you do that on purpose or? No, you good? Just All right, Chuck, I'm gonna let you go. I I wanna ask you one last question. What- um... All right give these guys one piece of advice to continue to have that passion within them, to help others, to continue to want to improve. You got 30 people here on a Tuesday, you know, in December that clearly care. What's one piece of advice you would give them to continue to to push this forward and continue to, you know, want to help people improve their lives.
2: So, We've talked about this a lot, Jay, and I, I imagine you've probably already told them this. And so I, I'm, I'm going to give them the thing that I I think you've already given them, and then I'll give just one additional piece. Um, coach Glassman, who invented the program, um, good, better, indifferent, um, was asked years ago, um, coach, how do you become a better coach? How do you improve on the skill set? And he answered it with care, care, care. And care. I think he said it four times in a row. We can't teach you how to give a shit. And you either have that or you don't. And outside of all of that stuff is literally where everything else comes from. It's all your study. It's all your It's all your prep work. It's all your checking in with your athletes that are not uh, showing up at class, that are not getting their goals, that are not giving you intensity. It's all of that stuff. It, it's built out of that. For me going forward, I would tell you to, to plan, execute, and adjust like literally that's it. And if you do those three things, then, then you'll be, you'll be headed in the right direction, plan as much as you can execute to the best of your ability. And if you nail it, high five and chest bump. And when you don't, or it's slightly off, just adjust and make that thing better going forward. And that'll, that'll take you to where you want to be. Promise you.
1: So you never miss an episode of the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day.
0: See you next time.